This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. This is Kate. Welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. Today, I have Bainey Bahari, CEO and co-founder of Offcourt. Hi, Bainey. So good to have you on. Hi, Kate. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we just start with your personal story? You know, what brought you to found Offcourt? Uh, sure. I've had a very non-traditional path to starting a business. I uh, studied engineering in college. Uh, afterwards, I was a management consultant for about three years. Most of my focus was in retail, and I was very interested in retail space. I thought that would be kind of the space I would work in, but I wasn't really sure where. I went to business school afterwards. Uh, I went to Columbia Business School, and while there, I was a consultant at Glossier. This is quite a long time ago. This is 2017. And, you know, Glossier was uh, kind of this buzzy startup and in the beauty space. And I was there for about a year, probably like 11 months in the operations team. And that kind of opened up my interest in beauty, direct-to-consumer space. I was there, I was at Glossier three times a, a week. So, you know, it wasn't a really long time. But then when after business school, uh, I went back to consulting. I was uh, at Calvin Klein for about a year. And then while I was there, I really wanted to start my own business. And I uh, kind of got started on uh, the first uh, the first few ide- ideation of Offcourt. You know, 2020, I went full-time on Offcourt. Then COVID happened. And I was like, oh my God, how do we do this business thing? Uh, so finally, Offcourt came to market in 2021. And we've been around for uh, just about two years now. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about Offcourt, the product and you know the problem that you're solving. Yeah. Offcourt is personal care brand uh, for people with active lifestyle. And what we really differentiate is really three components. Number one is functional formulas. If you're an active person, you're sweating, you have a different needs than non-active in my, my in our view. And uh, active pe- people tend to shower multiple times a day. They want products that are super hydrating. You know, uh, sweat is part of the components of lifestyle. And, you know, whether you want to deal with it or not, that's, you know, a, a big angle of active lifestyle. And we make functional formulas catered towards that active lifestyle. Second component is premium fragrances. And... I don't think workouts and fragrances traditionally have gone together really well. You know, most people are like, do you wear perfume when you work out? Is it too strong? And the other side of the premium fragrance market is, you know, in the the fragrance space, you really have to pay a premium price for something that smells really nice. And traditionally, this space was also very gendered. So what we wanted, what we are trying to do is bringing gender neutral, modern scent that are very, very fresh with price points that are super accessible for daily use so that fragrances are not really a splurge or reserved for a special occasion, but can be enjoyed on an everyday uh, basis. And, you know, I kind of hit on the third thing, which was the that affordable price piece uh, that specifically is around fragrances. So what we play is, you know, upper end of mass market with products that smell 
a lot more expensive and better than you know traditional products you find on uh, on on Islands. And you know, you're coming to found this brand. Was that do you identify as that active person, or was it more that you just saw a very clear opportunity in the market? No, I, so I started this company with my husband John, and both of us lead a very active lifestyle. And you know, we're not athlete per se, but we go from workout to office, or you know, workout to brunch, or there there's that lifestyle of kind of on the go. And our we launched the brand with body sprays, which is really the product that encapsulates what the brand is about. It is multifunctional. It is deodorant, so it manages the body odor. It has a fragrance component to it. So a lot of people use it as even their perfume or cologne. And it's a product that can easily be put in a gym bag and you travel with and you feel like, okay, pre-workout, I've got myself covered. After workout, I have something to freshen up and go and do the next thing. So, you know, Glossier was continues to be a major player in the D2C space, but I think a lot has changed, you know, since you know, Glossier first started, you know, specifically around the cost of acquisition and getting those customers in a, a digitally native way. How have you thought about that now in the current state of customer acquisition? You know, how have you thought about your go-to-market strategy for Offcourt? Honestly, we don't do anything that is related to Glossier because I think, as you mentioned, the world has completely changed. And mm-hmm. um, those days of, you know, low Instagram, even CAC or insane uh, engagements are just gone. So when we launched, we launched direct consumer on, on Amazon. And, you know, so many people advised me against launching on Amazon, but I'm so glad we did it. I think most people with that mentality of, you really need to be a direct consumer brand and own that relationship with customer are obviously against Amazon because you don't own that relationship. You really can't control a big part of that experience. But we were in a space where on Amazon, they were not really a lot of brands. And we saw this white space and we launched our body spray. It's continues to be a, you know, a big player in the body spray category on Amazon. Direct to consumer, we've kind of like, when we launched, we didn't have insane plans. We took it really slowly and acquired customers on ways that were profitable. And that has been a big focus of the brand from day one. So, you know, at the beginning, we couldn't really get together. We launched in 2021. So events, a lot of things we do today wasn't really applicable. But to be honest, we got lucky. We got a bunch of features and those brought a lot of early customers and introduced us in that athletic space. And then from there on, we just kind of ramp up. We tested different strategies. If they were working, we stick with them. If they were not working, we just switch. And so what are some of the strategies you know, to profitably acquire customers today? I think every brand is different. For us, we are and in price points of less than $15. And that's a very, very challenging price point to acquire digital customers profitably. And we don't have, we're not spending a ton of money on Facebook, Instagram ads to get that customer for any cost. That's not part of our business. Today, as we speak, majority of our customer acquisition comes through gyms and boutiques. We have a program, and this was not really an official program. We had gyms reaching out to us and say, we found your product. 
are interested in buying wholesale. And we're like, interesting. We've never thought about that. So we started selling to this, these gyms and they basically buy it from us on cartons and then they put it in their shower, change room, whatever their setup is for, for their customers to use. And that introduces our brand to that active customer that we want to capture in a, in a new way. And what we have seen is if we are in a, you know, zip code within a few miles of that, that, that gym, we see a lot of orders of that particular scent that gym bought. So we have a way of kind of seeing a bit of a correlation, but we do acquire a big uh, portion of our customers through that channel. And that's one of our channel channels in 2023 that we're doubling down and, and growing. Okay, so you're um, direct to consumer, you're on Amazon, you're through gyms. Are those all of the channels that you're selling through? Or, you know, how do you think about what that makeup looks like today versus what you expect and hope it to look like in the next few years? Um, we are also in boutiques. I would say that they are one-off and we aren't aggressively pursuing to be in more. Uh, but again, kind of stumble across boutiques and we're seeing reorders. So we are in a way pursuing that. When we first launched the brand, I would say, you know, 75% was Amazon, 25% was direct consumer. Today, I want to say less than 40% is Amazon, you know, another 40% is direct to consumer, and then 20% is gyms, boutiques. And we want to, we want to really increase that. You want to increase that gym yes. because it becomes a, a great discover discovery tool. It's a really, really great discovery tool. We sell to these gyms, you know, at a wholesale wholesale pricing, what we are selling by carton. They love it because they don't have anything else in the market that kind of fit there. Typically, the gyms that like us are just, you know, smaller boutique. They're cooler spaces. So they're looking for a brand that fit their aesthetic. And, you know, we we really fit well there. It's just a profitable channel that makes so much sense. Just the challenge is... We kind of have to go one by one. So, you know, we started in New York with gyms and we are in hundreds of them and then kind of expanding from there nationally and just scaling that program is, 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 is a hard task. Yeah, I guess. How are you thinking about scaling that program? You know, I, I understand that's kind of a focus for the year. So we're starting with our team. We have people and right now we have a small team and our team is Miami, New York and LA. So that's our target is where we have it. We have a team player. That's what we're going to push. And right now, as we speak, we're just testing. We're testing different types of workout studios, whether it's Ben versus, you know, lifting, understanding what exactly makes sense, who is interested in our product. And once we have a playbook uh, or a blueprint, then it's just like, okay, now let's just have a team behind it whose job is basically field marketing and sales. And how do you, you know, manage your end-to-end customer and brand experience across all of these different, you know, uh, sporting, you know, gyms as Amazon and your direct consumer channel? How do you, you know, bridge those gaps? I think it's a very hard thing to do. I think realistically, some places we have control of the whole experiences and some places we just don't. Um, so direct to consumer, we own that relationship. We are extremely responsive. Every order ships on the same day, if not next day. 
We have chat functionality that I think is active 14 hours a day. Every customer who pings us get a response on the same day. So we're very, very focused on that that relationship. You know, if things go wrong, package gone missing, we are super, super proactive and responsive there. On Amazon, we don't have that same level of experience. What we do is, you know, we ship from our manufacturer to Amazon warehouses. We hope that Amazon as a partner is doing their part. But we also know that to me, that's a different customer who's not necessarily, you know, um, expecting that branded experience. Mm-hmm. They want something in two days and that's all that matters versus our DTC customer would want, you know, they get like a sample of other fragrances when they're first come to our site. They get handwritten notes, they get surprise gifts based on their loyalty. It's a different customer. And I think you can't really mix the two. There are people who are on Amazon convenience oriented and they want to get something that they see very fast and they want to also return it very fast if they don't want it. So mm-hmm. we have accepted that we can't control that experience. But if someone on Amazon, you know, message us, we're still very, very proactive because we're in a business of repeat purchase and we are selling daily products people use and replenish on a monthly basis. So you know, every experience we get a chance to, we want to make it memorable. We want to go above and beyond as much as possible. Um, on the gym side, you know, most of these gyms we are at are very premium high-end studios and they do a really great job of showcasing our products. So honestly, nothing to worry there. Um, it's just for us really, you know, honing that program is is the focus. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, you know, gyms that are two or three branches and they love to find and bring cool products for their customers and they want to showcase them well uh so you know we sell it to them they showcase it to to the customer and then from there we really can't control the rest of the experience hopefully the person who's using it pre or post workout falls in love with the product um which i'm a big believer in and then become a customer or you know an advocate of the That makes complete sense. Okay, so what is something that you are bold, you know, feel boldly or passionately about that, you know, you'd want to share with our listeners? Uh, This is a tough one. Um, I think as an industry as a whole, you know, I think the balance of being a sustainable brand, which everybody in beauty right now is working towards that, but also creating products that make sense. So, you know, that balance is very, very hard. And what we do today is we try to bring recyclable, post-consumer recycled material as much as possible. But we're also seeing that, one, consumers are not willing to pay for the increment in costs. And then two, consumers are not going to change their habits. We, for example, just an example of this, when we were launching our body wash, we did a test where we sent them a powder and that was our first formula. This is a powder that is dry. You can carry it. You can put it in the gym bag. It fits with our story. All you have to do is add water to it. Every single person who tried this was like, this is a horrible experience. I want my body wash in a bulky packaging. And make a second size so I can carry it in my gym bag. So, you know, I think that 
notion of sustainability, which we want to be more sustainable. But when it comes with increased cost and change of customer behavior, it's just not working for us. So, you know, we changed plans and we launched a body wash in a plastic bottle. But what we did is with our packaging partner, we worked to make that from post-consumer recycled material. Makes complete sense. So, but making sure to listen to the customer and then also fit within existing consumer behavior because, you know, it's really, really hard to change consumer behavior. So that it, that makes sense. It really is. And to be very honest, when we had our first formula, the powder wash, um, we thought it would work. And everyone on our team loved it, but every single customer hated it. Yeah. Makes, I mean, it's great that you were able to listen and, and pivot. That's like a critical and part, important part of being in an early stage company. 100%. But if you are in the industry and you're listening to, you know, where the trends are going, you think that you really cannot launch a body wash in a plastic bottle anymore. So I think that's, uh, you know, just kind of a balance. is something that uh, I think about a lot uh, in terms of like running a business. Um, you know, many different things is, you know, um, from an operations perspective, which a big part of our business is that operation piece, how to get that package to the customer in an efficient manner. We had a 3PL partner that things didn't work out and, you know, packages were not being shipped and we felt, we felt like a hostage. We just didn't know what to do. Consumers were angry at us and, uh, we changed all of that plan and bring fulfillment in-house. We actually have a physical warehouse and a, team, a few people there who manage this on a daily basis. So everything that someone buys is shipped directly from our warehouse rather than a 3PL partner. You know, as we grow, we hope that we can outsource that. Well, we, but as a small brand, we haven't been able to find partners that, that would work with for business. Okay, so we're going to switch. Uh, switch gears now to our lightning round. So, you know, a couple of kind of quick question and answers. Favorite omni-channel brand? That's a very hard one. Uh, to be very honest, I don't think I have one. Um, there are there are lots of brands that are doing really amazingly. Um, I don't want to say one. Okay. Thing you wish you could change about our industry? Ah, uh, two things. I think... Metrics for success as a founder is number one. And I can elaborate if you want, but the constant focus on building, you know, the constant focus on growth versus building a sustainable business that makes sense and can be around. Favorite podcast? How I built this. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite newsletter? Um, Nick Sharma's marketing newsletter. Every Sunday. Yeah, Nick's is great. Favorite social media channel? Instagram. Favorite book? Uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I don't know that one. An event that you're excited about going to this year? Um, trade shows. Mm -hmm. What type of trade shows do you go to? We just went to our first trade show uh, last week, uh, a gifting trade show in New York now uh, in New York. And it was shockingly amazing. It was so nice to be out there and we plan to do more of it this year. Great. Well, Beanie, thank you so much for your time. It was really great hearing the story of Offcourt. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you liked this podcast, 
Follow me and The Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really love today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.